Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. and welcome back for another episode of Calling Caffeinated. I had a rich and beautiful discussion with Donnie McManus, who is an amazing Irish artist. He established the Irish Academy of Figurative Art as well as the School of Sacred Art in Florence, uh, which was actually based on the theology of the body, uh, which was an incredible endeavor. So um, we, I was so blessed to have time with Doni. Deep perception is the key to unlocking a contemplation. And Doni has some incredible examples in his artwork that also cross into the spiritual life. So if you've ever wanted to meditate using sacred art, this is an awesome conversation. I um, am lying on my couch right now and I'm covered in a blanket. I'm pretty emotionally exhausted. Um, my grandma Eileen passed away this morning. She was 96 years old. We are already very much missing her. And she and my grandpa have just an amazing story. They have an amazing life together. They were both born in 1925, three days apart from each other. She made all of her own clothes. She was born in the depression and she was as scrappy as they come. They do not make them like that anymore. <laughs> my grandma Eileen would hold down the fort for months while raising four children while my grandpa was away fighting three wars for our country. And uh, they really are a testament to honesty and hard work and living a life that really is for others. So I just miss her already so much. My grandma and grandpa loved America. They really believed in America. And my grandma would make these little patriotic displays on their table outside of their home. When they moved to a new neighborhood, my grandma wouldn't wait for the neighbors to come over and introduce themselves. She would bake them a cake and go knock on their doors first. <laughs> and she was, uh, that kind of personifies my grandma. Um, I have beautiful hats that she left me a lot of beautiful wardrobe items that she took such good care of. So I just am going to be wearing those a lot. I for sure I'm going to wear one to her wake and her funeral. So if you could pr please pray for the soul of Eileen Jackson, who passed away this morning and will be very much missed by all of us. On a totally different note, I am having a wonderful time over on Instagram sharing my story of my personal style journey, which I just started a couple of months ago, and I'm just kind of sharing it now um, because I needed something in the NICU to be distracting for me and something that was fun and failure free. And I ended up investing time just curating my wardrobe. I am a young mom and I need to find clothes that work for my season of life that I love and that are easy to wear and that you could run around after kids in and get spat up on and still look good in. So if you want to come on over to Instagram, my handle is at Stacy Summerow. I'll put a link in the show notes. We're having a lot of fun over there. And one of the things I love so much is that um, I feel like it's a community. I'm a beginner with all of this and I have a lot of people along for the ride who are excited to also join me um, who are also not experts, but we're idea sharing and it's just really fun. So come on over and check it out. Before we get to the episode with Doni, I also want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, which is Choose Life Rosaries. You can find them at chooselife.com and that is cleverly spelled C-H-E-W-S like 
chewing on something, and that's because they make beautiful silicone teething rosaries. My daughter, Honora, has the Vintage Blooms Rosary. It's gorgeous. It's all these different shades of pink and light purple, which I love. And uh, when Honora came home from the NICU, you all know she spent 126 days in the NICU, she had an oral aversion. She doesn't eat anything by mouth. She has a G-tube. And this rosary from Choose Life is really helping her overcome that oral aversion. We pray a decade of the rosary every morning as a family, and she chews on her little rosary, and it's so beautiful to see her establishing this relationship with the Blessed Mother already and kind of having the feel of a rosary in her hands, which is exactly the mission of Choose Life. So she's obviously a special case. We love our little sweet special needs baby, but for any baby, this um, is a beautiful opportunity to really start to introduce them to the beauties of our faith and they're having Christmas and July sales so you are definitely going to want to check those out because they have incredible sales all month long Um, you can get 10% off with the code caffeinated10 so I will be sure to put a link for that in the show notes please do keep in mind that the code is not going to apply for the one day Christmas in July sales those sales are already so good that they cannot get any lower so please just use code caffeinated10 on all of your other purchases all right, let's get to our episode with Joni McManus. Welcome, Joni McManus. It's such a pleasure to have you on Call to Caffeinated. My pleasure. Yes. Now, we met back in 2014, and we met at the Seminary of the Immaculate Conception on Long Island, which I think is one of the most beautiful buildings in the United States, um, and yep. uh, got to hear a little bit about your theology of the body um, and, and how you relate that to your career and vocation as an artist, which was so beautiful. Um, If any of my listeners haven't heard of you, I'll be sure to put a link to your website in the show notes so they can see all of your beautiful sculptures and paintings. Uh, You're very talented and also very clearly a very hard worker. (laughs) 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 For those listening rather than watching, he just made his head get bigger and bigger (laughs) as if by magic. So, uh, Donnie, what calls have you received from God in your life so far and what has receiving those calls looked and felt like for you? Well, I suppose I got the call that everybody got, which is to be a saint. Uh, So I try and work on that whenever I possibly can, which is a constant struggle. And uh, I suppose I've been called to do that through art um, because it's all I can do, really. (laughs) So it's pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. Um, So it's, it's really, it's, it's essentially a call which draws me to contemplate the world and existence and others and myself and my relationship with all that and mm. that and through that finding the truth about my existence mm. and trying to understand uh, everything as deeply as I possibly can and then try and communicate that to others so that's really essentially what I try to do. That's beautiful. Um, I married an artist, uh, his name is John, and uh, he always told me that, or tells me that, part of art is learning to see. Uh, that's mm. kind of the first thing that you have to do as an artist. And it's a, it's really fun being married to him because he'll see purple in the grass that I don't see, and he'll see yellow in the ocean that I can't see until I really look at it and then I realize he's right. There are all these colors that I don't see, and then it's kind of like I can't unsee them, and it's just... Uh, enhances my vision of the world Um, and obviously there's a very a much deeper spiritual parallel um, as well that can be drawn from that which it sounds like is exactly what you do Um, so how did you begin to kind of cultivate that deeper perception uh, both as an artist and a person 
Well, I see, I see it uh, in very much as a means of contemplation. Um, mm. So, being a visual artist, um, I contemplate visually, mm. and uh, so what I try to do is mo it's mostly true drawing because ninety percent of any art is drawing. Mm. So what I do is I use the facility of drawing to really enter into what's before me and mm -hmm. that's where artistic anatomy comes in um uh, perspective comes in and these are all kind of grammars which we use to enter into reality so if i was to do your portrait for instance i would need to understand bone structure muscle structure texture of hair texture of skin color uh, of skin tone the turning of the form how the form mm -hmm. turns Mm -hmm. All these elements that uh, are ne are necessary for me to, first of all, see you, mm -hmm. enter into who you are, so to perceive your anatomical reality within perspectival space, essentially, mm -hmm. and use that grammar to enter into that reality. And once you're, mm -hmm. you get into it, then you start to um, pick up your psychological, spiritual aspects through your expressions mm -hmm. and then try and articulate them as most in, in, in the most lucid, lucid way possible within sculpture or drawing or painting in my work. So that, that kind of objectifies and puts it onto the canvas or into the sculpture. And then once it's objectified, then you can adjust it. And in that way, try and uh, develop a kind of a, a conversation with the subject mm. uh, so oh, that wow. you extract the personality. So it's a bit like what we're doing here on Zoom, mm -hmm. but it's, it's much more um, manual. It's much more human. It's much more intimate because I'm using, mm. I'm taking in your whole being into my mind, into my heart and into my hands. Mm. And through that extract, this um, and and make form make real that relationship, mm. and that's what makes a portrait work. Mm. Or, uh, and you do that with landscape, you do with sacred art, you can do it with whatever form. But that's the that's the whole mechanism. That's beautiful. Yeah. So many thoughts going through my mind. I love how you said that um, art is a visual grammar. It's the, uh, or, or even perception, it sounds like. Did you say perception is the grammar to, yeah. to producing art? It's like the nuts and bolts, the how-to of the beginning stage, maybe the gateway of learning to speak and uh, put something out there. I love that. And I, that, that even you know, seems to have a spiritual parallel to me where um, perception of uh, like really meditating, entering into prayer means not just thinking about what's going on in your life and how many hours have I spent in front of the Blessed Sacrament just thinking about what's going on, my drama, but uh, coming outside of yourself and perceiving what, uh, attempting to perceive really what God is saying to you today, what is in the mind of God, what God's will is for you, and to really reach outside of yourself and to focus on Him rather than on yourself, um, which uh, is, yeah, it's like... Uh, Perception is the is the grammar of contemplation. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose um, it's it's. I suppose the, the the most beautiful prayer is 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 thank you. It's gratitude. Mm -hmm. So 
in a way I would I would I would like I'd like my work to be a prayer a, a prayer of gratitude mm. and the best way to be grateful is to really appreciate what you've been given so mm. first of all the talent and then of course the people in your life your wife your mm. family your home your friends and try and um, and even even uh, I suppose the history of redemption, like, mm. you know, painting the Holy Family, the Apostles, uh, like Pentecost, uh, all to pieces to do with John the Baptist. These are all things that I've done in Italy and, uh, or in the States or in Ireland, the altar pieces. So you can, you can show your appreciation for redemptive, the, the history of redemption and mm. your own daily life. And to me, that's what it's all about. Wow, that's very deep. Um, I was wondering, uh, I, <laughs> even to just draw a, a single person is an overwhelming, must be. <laughs> I mean, anytime I try to draw an, a person, I'm overwhelmed by the, by how much there is to capture within that experience of that one person. And there's no, there's no end to the depth of it. Um, and to, to paint a, a scene like the St. John the Baptist lives or to um, sculpt, you know, St. Joseph, who is, um, you know, he is, he's a saint. He's, there's so much more to sculpt Christ, my goodness. Um, there's so much more there. What is that like for you to, uh, to try to hang on to things as you go, if that makes sense, you know, to try to capture the depths of it without just losing yourself in it? How do you do that? Well, it's funny, the last thing you said is how you do it. You lose yourself in it. Mm, okay. You have to let go. Now, uh, first of all, you have to study the grammar. You have to understand anatomy. Uh, mm. You have to understand perspective. You have to understand all those elements, those artistic elements. So as to be able to perceive, to be able to penetrate the reality before you. Uh, and then once that becomes second nature to you, um, then it starts to uh, just flow from you. So you're not intimidated. So you put a model in front of me and you give me a stick of charcoal. I just let myself go onto the, onto the paper mm. because that's, that's where the relationship happens. So I, I do it through a mechanism of music and architecture. So I, I, first of all, enter into it musically through the gesture, get the main gesture. And then once the main gesture is there, then I put a bit of architecture on. So the head, thoracic cage, pelvis, mm. get them orientated uh, appropriately. They're the three largest forms. Uh, and you get them to relate, relate to each other properly. Mm. And then once you've done that, then you go back into the rhythm of the legs and arms and the musculature, mm. the, the rhythms between the forms, how the head mm. attaches the rib cage, attaches the pelvis. And then you go back into structure again, you go into the actual, how the bones uh, fit onto that and then how the muscles attach to the bones. And all that just, once you, once you understand the anatomy, then it all kind of flows very naturally. Mm. Um, uh, because you're, 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 you're working from conception and perception. So you have the conceptual understanding of perspective the conceptual understanding of bone structure and muscle structure. And then you're, so that's from the, that's understanding from the inside out. 
and then with your perception, you're seeing it from the inside or from the outside in. So it's kind of, uh, if that's the truth there in the middle, you're coming from perception and conception. And you, you gradually arrive at the middle point. So wow. it's a bit like a camera coming into focus. That's the way I draw. I draw very loosely with charcoal, very soft charcoal. So you get the gesture down and then you buff it off and then you go back into the structure and then you buff it off and then you go on to the next detail, buff it off. So you're working, you're constantly ghosting your drawing. And that way you're gradually focusing in on, on the reality that's there and you gradually come into that fine focus and then you nail it. So that's how I teach. Wow. Yeah. Yes. That and that comes through in your in your sculptures and your paintings because the reality of the human form is so important because the human eye can perceive right away when something's really off. And maybe yeah. you're breaking that rule intentionally, but if you are breaking that rule intentionally, there has to be a purpose to it. You want to be able to yeah. actually perceive that it is a true human form. And I think that's the thing that is so pleasing initially about your um, your work is that you perceive the truth of it. And then you can enter in more deeply to what is this, what is this figure saying without being distracted by a lack of truth in the form itself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the academic training, which is, uh, is, is becoming more popular now, the whole uh, French academic training of the 18th and 19th century, that, that's kind of come back into vogue now. So a lot of schools are moving away from the uh, artists are moving away from the art school, kind of no rules at all. Mm. Uh, everything's art to uh, a really hardcore academic training, which is like French academic. Mm. Now, the, both of them are problematic in that one is like completely no uh, rule. Well, they're both legalistic, and this is the problem. One is legalistic in that it's breaking all the rules, uh, but it's breaking them out of ignorance. They don't even know what the rules are. Uh, so that's kind mm. of the, the modern art school idea. And then the, the, the kind of rigid academic approach can be just going it's just holding on to the rules for the rules sake because that's all they have is our rules so it becomes mm -hmm. very rigid and confined um but i think the the best approach is in the words of ratzinger it's going forward in tradition uh and ratzinger in his spiritual liturgy he addresses this this uh, this necessity because it's not going backwards in tradition, which is uh, no good, or going forward without tradition, but it's going forward in tradition. It's that contrast, it's that conflict, it's that tension that creates great culture. Mm -hmm. And that's why I gave the, that, the, the, I founded a school in Dublin called the Irish Academy for Figurative Art. Uh, and I, then I started an, uh, another one in Florence, which is a sacred art school, Firenze. And the sacred art school, Firenze, uh, has a subtitle forward in tradition because that's the mission uh, of the school uh, because it's like the fallen nature and aspiration for the divine it's that mm -hmm. tension that makes a saint yes. and it's forward in tradition is what really creates great culture so sanctity and culture are really the the nub of what's what's needed in con contemporary culture I love that. Um, that has uh, a, a very immediate parallel in my mind, which is that what I see in our culture is this desire to throw away tradition, to either ignore or cancel history and tradition. We're losing our foothold. 
And I think a, a very common misconception with religion is that some people think it needs to be primarily about feelings. And it, if it's rooted too much in tradition, then it's bad. You know what I mean? Like it needs to, they, or they think faith isn't real because I can't feel anything. It's just rules. It's just, you know, words. But the work of it is like what you're saying, where you contemplate, you perceive the deep reality, and then you move back and forth between this, uh, this, this rules of reality, really, which is, you know, what you learn through studying the faith. And then you move into the music or the gesture of what is the Holy Spirit moving me to now? And so you're coming into a clearer focus through both of those. Um, yeah, well, I mean, art is like any other language. Art is truly a language. It only, um, it, it's, it's very important in that it gives you the ability to think because you can't think without a language. Mm. And you can't mm -hmm. penetrate a culture without understanding the language of that culture. So in other, in other words, like it was very difficult for me to understand it. Italian culture without understanding, learning Italian and then mm -hmm. be able to read the great masters like Dante or, or, or you know, Shakespeare or Dostoevsky, you really have to enter into, into the, the culture through the language. So um, that's the first thing. So in other words, for an artist to be really competent, he must know the grammar and then mm -hmm. be able to use that grammar to understand who they are. Mm -hmm. And so, then abstract from that. All art is abstract. This is really important. So when people talk about abstract art and, and representational art, all mm -hmm. art is abstract because all art is abstraction. There's no art without abstraction. But the, de the, de the, the definition I like to work with is that there is informed abstraction and uninformed abstraction. Okay. So what most people call abstract art today is actually uninformed abstraction. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so ugly. Uh, because it's really difficult to make something beautiful, if not impossible, if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but great art is abstraction that's informed. So the most important responsibility for a young artist is to understand the grammar. Mm -hmm. And then once you understand it, then have the courage to abstract from it. Mm, I like Through that an a informed lot. understanding of who you are. That's why generally, uh, and that's one of the good things about visual art is that generally it's the later work is the more interesting work because the first part of an artist's career is to prove themselves, that they are competent, that they have, they have, they, they have a competency. Mm -hmm. And then once you understand, once they've proven themselves, then their later work is much more interesting because that's when they have matured as, as human beings. And their grammar has matured so that they can actually articulate it better. So that's why like Bernini and Velasquez and uh, Ribera and Michelangelo, their later work is much more interesting than their earlier work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The maturity. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's beautiful. Um, so you spent three weeks just drawing Michelangelo's Pietà. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is beautifully situated at um, St. Peter's in, uh, in Rome. How did that change you doing? And I, I asked this question because I think the idea of drawing one statue for three weeks is so countercultural. It's, yeah. I can't imagine, I don't know a single person who would spend three weeks doing that, except maybe my husband. Actually, he probably would. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like him he, already. Yes. Oh, my dear, my dear husband who wanted to be a Carthusian. He he could do that for now sure. There you go. He's a contemplative. Exactly. So yeah. So you spent three weeks drawing the Pieta. What did that do for you? And um, what did you what did you extract from that? How did it change you? Well, I suppose it, it was just after September 11. I uh, I was very. Uh, I, I, I was almost involved in it directly. I was, I was going to meet a friend of mine from Mass in St. Peter's Church across the mm. road from Tower One that morning. Wow. We would have been coming out at 8.30, and the first plane hit at 8.45, 8.43. Wow. So we would have been in the thick of it. But he decided to go to Pearl Paint on Canal Street, and I decided to do something else. So thank God neither of us were there, but we thought the other was there. So we mm. couldn't contact each other because the uh, the aerial came down on Tower One. Mm. So um, so it was a rough period. And then two of uh, two of the firemen that let, rescued my stuff from the New York Academy of Art fire um, were were killed. And then uh, it was a very difficult time because within those two months, um, there's. Uh, the two people I was working with in New York, one in the Bronx and one in Queens, committed suicide. And then back mm -hmm. in Dublin, when I went back to Dublin, there was a horrific, uh, a, a friend of mine uh, killed his wife and two kids and I tried to commit suicide. It was like mm -hmm. horrific. It was a very, wow. very difficult time. So, um, so when I went to... Rome just after that I had my mind my mind was all over the place um so I decided to draw the Pieta because I really I, I really needed the Pieta mm -hmm. so it was in that time while I was drawing the Pieta I draw drew for a week from the front a week from the side a week from the other side and it was through that slow contemplation of the greatest event in history which was the deicide it was the killing of god and the redemption of mankind was in that image uh i i was healed by that peace it healed my faith in god my faith in humanity and also it renewed my understanding of my vocation as an artist because it gave me an opportunity to realize that look if if michelangelo can heal me through this lump of stone if I can just get a fraction of that and project it forward and maybe bring it to a new generation of much more talented artists than me, then we can recreate this culture and even go further. Uh, and that's really what has given me the momentum to do what I do. Mm, that's beautiful. Uh, wow. So many questions from that. Um, and I think where I want to take it from here is similar to the concept that you just expressed, but maybe articulating it a little bit differently. There was another interview um, where you said that your art was very Christian, not meaning that you always produce specifically Christian or Catholic art, but that it's Christian in its, uh, in its being because of the way that you internalize the rules. Can you share that analogy? Yeah, I suppose, uh, well, yeah, I, I don't believe in being a, a, a Christian artist, but an artist who's Christian. 
Uh-huh. If you get the difference, I do. Uh, yeah, but maybe yeah. you could ex- explain that a little bit further. Yeah. Well, in that it's not a, a means of propaganda. It's 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 it, it's it's a natural overflow of your interior life. So no matter who the artist is, their art is an overflow of their interior life. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a Christian or Catholic, then that's naturally going to overflow in my work. So mm-hmm. it's not a it's not propaganda, it's not preaching, it's just being. I think that's really, really important. Yes. So, um, and I think if we, if we approach life like that, then we're going to have a much more uh, interesting conversation with others and with life, and mm-hmm. that's going to manifest itself in more beautiful and effective work because you're not being preached that, you're just being... Uh, you're witnessing somebody recalling an understanding of existence. And some, that's something you can link with and can bring you on that journey if you mm-hmm. want to go in there. Yes. I believe it was, was the St. Francis who said, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I don't know if it was him. A lot of people say it's him. I'm not sure if it was actually him, but it's a great saying. It is. In that there's, it shouldn't be necessary to to use words uh, mm-hmm. if you can witness it, mm-hmm. and, and I think art should be that. Mm-hmm. Yes, showing the humanity of the saints and showing the humanity of God really is uh, is so important because so often um, I know I struggled with this. You you grow up in a Catholic household and uh, many of the saints that you read about just have very. Um, if there's a picture of them, it, it doesn't look like a real person. It looks like a very dated uh, picture of, you know, something somebody painted back in the, the 1200s, which is also beautiful, but it's hard to say this, is a, this was a real person. This is really someone who I can relate to. Um, and sometimes you also just hear about the incredible things that they did, and you think, well, that's, that can't be like me. You know, I couldn't be that. Um, but then uh, I really felt this looking at your St. Joseph painting or St. Joseph sculpture, um, just the, the actual real humanity of St. Joseph, the accessibility uh, while he was, you know, incredibly holy, also just the accessibility of him as, as a human, as a person. And the fact that he just really loved the baby Jesus and he's just holding him in his arms and he's just snuggling him. And he's, he's a strong man who looks, um, you know, uh, he really it actually reminds me of my husband kind of in his bearing and his um, and the way that he has that, that strength, both in, interiorly and exteriorly. And the uh, but then you've got that tenderness as well. And it's a very it's a very human approach. It's just very beautiful. So, um, yeah, I, well, I guess. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. It was a very it was a very risky thing to do to do that statue of St. Joseph, mm-hmm. because in contemporary art, there's such suspicion of sentimentality and kitsch. So if you do mm-hmm. something like that, it can very quickly be labeled as kitsch and sentimental. And the only way to really avoid that is for it to naturally emerge from your interior life. So that St. Joseph emerged from a conversation between myself and St. Joseph mm-hmm. through prayer. So it's an overflow of, of a prayer life. But it also, it's also informed by work I was doing with inner city kids in Dublin, Belfast, and the Bronx, and dealing with the crisis of paternity in contemporary culture. And 
also praying with the ideas of Saint Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, mm. uh, where he talks about Saint Joseph as uh, a young man, and he talks about his virility. And I think there's a beautiful aspect that n needed to be addressed. So it, mm. it's kind of it's a, it's like a reinvention of Saint Joseph in a contemporary context. So mm. it, it's taking huge risks in that people won't understand who this is. Yes. Um, but I think there are risks that need to be taken. But it's 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 a continuation. It's it's not rejecting the tradition. It's 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 a approaching the tradition um, in an informed way, mm -hmm. and then having the courage to bring it forward in a contemporary context. Mm -hmm. And in that way, that's why it touches people because it it's it's relatable. Mm -hmm. It has a contemporary aspect to it but at the same time, a timeless aspect to it. So it's, it's that, but that takes a, you need to really listen. I think listen with a capital L is the secret of life. It's the mm. secret of love because you cannot really love what you don't understand and you can only understand if you listen. Mm. And I think this is very close to marriage and relationships as well. So uh, I think that was the core success of that piece because because I was listening, people are relating to it because they they're connected i mean one of the most beautiful compliments i ever got was that that piece broke my heart is what one, one person said to me mm -hmm. and i thought that was beautiful because that's really my ambition in my work is to break as many hearts as i possibly can with with beauty because mm -hmm. in the words of ratzinger beauty has the power to pierce the heart and to bring with the truth and goodness and that is the highest ambition an artist can have mm, yes. and i think saint joseph has in some way touched that uh, that aim yes yes because we're never going to outgrow our need for a father who's going to come for us and love mm. us mm -hmm. and there's a great crisis in paternity i mean it's it's the source of a lot of what we saw this year yes yes it is now um I think it's, uh, as a Christian, no one's ever going to um, say, good job, you did your hour of contemplation today. <laughs> there is certainly a movement toward like mindfulness and meditation and in, in just the sense of like clearing your mind, but there's not, there's nobody's ever gonna say, oh, you did your holy hour today, good job. Uh, well done, you checked off that on your to-do list. There's no purpose to contemplation, so. Um, what do you see as uh, the fruit? I won't say the point of contemplation because there's not supposed to be a point, but what do you see as the fruit of contemplation? Uh, in essence, it's being. Mm. We are not human doings, we're human beings. Mm -hmm. So really that's where we need to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I think and I think it links with what I was saying earlier on about the career of an artist. He he, uh, uh, an artist spends the first part of their life doing, mm -hmm. and then they start being. And I think that's really where, you where an artist needs to be. Yes. Because it's when they are being, that's mm -hmm. when they penetrate the depths of our being. <laughs> yeah, and communicates right. that being. So mm -hmm. um, I think contemplation is that. 
uh, it's just that an artist does it visually uh, and in that way is able to communicate it visually. Um, and of course that has, it's not limited to any language, like it's international in its grammar. So uh, visual art is very effective in that way. And I think one of the reasons why uh, the church and Christianity has, has uh, lost a lot of um, impact in our culture is because it's let go of beauty. It's, mm -hmm. It hasn't invested in beauty. And I think it's time we stop talking about it because so many people like in conservative circles talk about, oh, uh, beauty will save the world, you know, quoting Dostoevsky, till you're blue in the face. But who's investing in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who, yeah. who is, who's making it happen? Yes. Uh, because I know one of the big problems with conservatives is that do they don't focus enough on culture. And that's why the left has taken over the culture, mm. because we've left it to them. So I think it's, it's high time that conservatives take culture seriously, mm -hmm. uh, and in doing that, take beauty seriously, mm. because beauty has that power to, to really bring people to truth and goodness. Mm, Especially yes. in a relativistic culture where your, your idea of goodness is different to my idea of goodness. Sorry. Your mm. idea of truth is different to my idea of truth. But beauty is something that brings them together. And that's why, I mean, uh, most of my friends are leftists because they're, they're all artists. Mm. Uh, and that opens up because they really love beauty. And yeah. it helps them get over and it helps me keep out of a box where they want to put me because mm. I'm keep on opening up because they're attracted to the beauty that you produce. Yes. So it, yes. it, it's always completely like I live beside uh, Marxists all my life. My next door neighbor is a Marxist and they've always tried to label me, but they can't mm. because they keep coming back to see what I'm doing next, you know? Mm. Yes. Uh, and, yes. And, uh, and that just keeps opening the box and it keeps the relationship going. Yes. Which is beautiful. Yes. I was just reading uh, Dr. Carrie Gress's book, Theology of Home, which is such a beautiful book. Um, and she talked about how we can't necessarily get people into church, but we can get them into our kitchens. And yeah. that's where, that, and we can have beauty there waiting for them. And we can have uh, goodness and, you know, healthy relationships and just invite people in. And hospitality is its own form of extending beauty. I see Absolutely. a lot of... Yeah, yeah, I see a lot of that. I, I know a lot of people who are doing that in their homes, and I'm very fortunate to be a part of a community that is that is doing that and supporting each other in that. Um, there's there's another great book too, um, actually. So the theology of home, and I see that lived out, which is so beautiful. And then um, Nicole Caruso just came out with a book called Worthy of Wearing, um, and she's actually she lives in your area, I think. She's right in the D.C. area. Um, anyway, she is. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to interview her on the podcast as well because she talks about. Um, really uh designing your sense of your your personal sense of of style she doesn't use the word fashion she says your personal sense of style and it's all about um uh really acknowledging your worth and allowing that to shine and i think there's a there's a misconception that if you are beautiful you're vain or if you dress well there must be vanity there and she's her mission is to integrate the two and to say, no, we, we believe we are worthy and therefore we wear, you know, it doesn't have to be designer clothes, 
but just something that expresses what is going on inside of you internally. So it's a very inside out approach, which I think is is so beautiful. I just started reading the book, but these are different manifestations of what you're saying with culture. Um, and uh, certainly also uh, music. I, I'm fortunate to know a few very musical families who play music in their kitchens and <laughs> sing together. And, you know, what a beautiful thing. I've, I've been a part of that and it has stayed with me, that beautiful, the mom was making pies with some of the sisters and some of the other siblings were there playing their music. And it, it just, it was so, it felt like coming home to be a part of it. Yeah, well, see, mm -hmm. as long as love, charity is the source of all these things, Mm -hmm. And it's not a utilization. Mm -hmm. You're not using a style. You're not using hospitality to bring people to God. No, it, it should be a very natural overflow. And that's, that's, that's the way to sanctity. And it's the way to, to attracting people to the faith. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, if it's forced, you can smell it a mile away. Absolutely. But, but if yeah. it's natural, And besides, you're doing yeah. yourself an injustice. You should not yeah. be doing that. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. For my non-artist listeners, of which I am one, um, how would you go about beginning to contemplate with art? How would you go about beginning to use it for prayer? Well, I suppose you, you need to... Uh, it's the way I approach the National Gallery, for instance. Whenever I go into the National Gallery, I just... Uh, just walk through it and then whatever work jumps off the wall and grabs me by the lapel and says hey listen to me mm. that's the one i deal with so <laughs> if it's in sacred art you go to the artwork that grabs you uh, mm -hmm. and if there isn't a uh, quality work that does that well then look for it google if you want a really good saint joseph or a really good or a virgin you just google it find one that really speaks to you Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bit like um, literature. I mean, uh, if you're a writer, uh, it's really important to read a lot of books. And then you discover mm -hmm. your grammar yes. by reading particular people and they form you. So like, for instance, um, Joyce could never have written Ulysses without Dante and Shakespeare and mm. Iliad and Odyssey and Homer. So it, it's, it's impossible. So you, you need to find uh, the grammar that speaks to you find the artworks that speak to you and then uh, open a relationship read the life of that saint and try and um, conceptually and perceptually come to an understanding mm -hmm. a bit like drawing mm -hmm. and that way you're penetrating the reality of that saint and that's where you're praying. Hmm. Now, when you say coming at it perceptually and conceptually, you said? Yeah. So just kind of like we talked about, you're sort of vacillating between the two. What yeah. does that actually look like for someone who's never done it before? Do you know what well, I, like? Does that mean you notice the flower that Mary is holding and the symbolism? And you so you just notice the factual aspect and then you kind of go back to what does this mean? You know, what is that? Is that kind of a... Well, Wait, yeah, you, yeah. Fi you find an image that, that attracts you, that, that grabs your heart, mm -hmm. that breaks your heart. Look for an image that really does that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, try and inform that relationship by reading about that saint. I see. So you're, you're conceptually understanding yes. and you're perceptually understanding and you're marrying them together. I see. I see. Okay, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love so that. You're, 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 not, you're not only working from your heart, but you're working from your mind. Because mm -hmm. your heart will vacillate, but you need the anchor of your mind to keep you on target. 
Yes. Okay. So most people are attracted to faith by the heart, but they remain with the mind. Yes, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you're not going to stay in a relationship that doesn't make sense, <laughs> basically. Uh, yeah, and, and essentially, that is the Christian way. We, we are mm. not a religion of the book. We're a religion of the person. Like, if you think of the, the three monotheistic religions, which are the only ones that can be true because they're monotheistic, <laughs> one God. Mm. So, Islam and Judaism are religions of the book. They're religions of the law. They hold rigidly to the law. Whereas Christianity is a religion of the person, where we take the law into our mind and it penetrates our heart, transforms our heart, and we live from the heart. So the law is written in our heart. So that's why we don't need, hopefully, a law to say, don't kill your mom, because you don't want to kill your mom. <laughs> so, but you might need a law to, kill, to, to, to stop you from doing something else, which you're more tempted to do. Right. So that's, that's forming the conscience in, mm. in the proper way. Yes. And contemplation is a part of that formation because actually I think of contemplation uh, like dating. And yeah. what I mean is um, when you go on a date, there's not the, the point of a date isn't to, you know, we uh, went and saw a movie. Check. We <laughs> walked along the river. Check. We went out to dinner. Check. It's not that at all. The point is to get to know one another, which yeah. is something that doesn't serve a practical purpose that you could put on paper, but it serves a very deep and real and true and good and necessary purpose. So I wouldn't have married my husband if I didn't know him. So contemplation is the way to, to get to know one another. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, that was so beautiful what you said about living from the heart and the way you can do that is by understanding the heart of Christ and the, the um, what he, really what his, what his heart wants, understanding his intention for the world and forming yourself to that. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that, that the secret of life is listening with a capital L. Mm. And then when it comes to art, it's listening with your eyes, really penetrating. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the best way to really come to understand. Yes. And to love. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Uh, last question. So we're living in a very distracted culture. I don't need to, <laughs> no one's going to be shocked to hear that. We all know it. So what do you see as the greatest obstacle uh, to contemplation and what is the way to overcome that? Well, I, one thing, I used to be a high school teacher. Uh, I used to teach in inner city Dublin in the Bronx. And one of the things that I found was most effective is that, look, everybody Everybody has access to crazy amount of information just through the, the iPhone or whatever yes. they use. So what we need to develop uh, more than anything is a filter. Mm. A filter to get rid of all the rubbish. And uh, we're inundated with way too much information. We, we're, we're not designed to deal with this. So mm. we need to be able to develop a filter to see what is good and what is bad. And that's where... Liturgy is fundamental. It's liturgy brings us into correct relationship with God to understand who we are, in relationship to God, mm -hmm. and that will inform us of our our mission. And mm -hmm. anything that takes us away from that, on deep understanding of who we are, we should filter out of our our life mm -hmm. and just concentrate on what really matters. Because 
with all this nonsense that's going on, uh, it's designed to distract. All this transgenderism and all—it's designed to to demoralize, confuse, and distract. We need to develop a filter for that. Keep it out. Keep it away from ourselves. Keep it away from our families. Keep it away from our children. Know what's going on, but don't let it get into our being. Mm. And then stay focused on what really matters, which is love, family, relationship, friendship, mm. God, all the things that really matter, creativity, mm. art, culture. So as to build all that, because the devil wants to distract us, and that's what he's mm. doing most effectively right now. I should be really careful with our devices. Mm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I interviewed um, a gentleman named Dominic Albano, who used to work for Dynamic Catholic. Um, he wrote this book called, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember what it is right now. Was it The Secret to Happiness? No, that is so terrible. I can't remember the title of his book. I'm sorry, Dominic. I interviewed him and it was a great interview. I will put that link to that book in the show notes. But he talked about, and this really reminds me of what you said just now, the, the five levels of perception which I think is something that he came up with, um, which are effect, cause, circumstances, intentions, and purpose. So just um, if we're living at the effect level, we're just constantly looking at what our, at the effect that our actions get. We're not looking at any, we do what will get the effect that we want. And so that's constant drama because we're just trying to get the effect that we want. And then you go deeper and you're looking, maybe you're able to see the cause of something in the way that you act. Um, and then you go deeper than that, the circumstances. Not only do you see the cause, but you're also looking around at, at the different um, extenuating factors. So, for example, if I'm late and I tell my husband, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. Like, I, uh, this circumstance kept me from being here on time when I told you I was going to be. Um, then we're looking there, but we're not at the deepest level of perception yet. And then the next one is where you look at the intention of the other person and you're able to see this is what this person really intended. You know, if, if I'm... Uh, driving and somebody cuts me off in traffic, um, I, I may be immediately angry at him, but if his wife is in labor and he's trying to get to the hospital, and I, and I assume that of him, that he is actually has a good intention, that he actually has a real, per, a real reason for doing that to me, then I would, of course, move right over and I'd slow down and I'd let him, I'd let him in um, as much as I was able. I, wouldn't, I would assume the good, which we are obligated to do as Christians. And then the deepest level of perception is purpose. And if you're living from purpose, which is what you're saying, living from your purpose, that's the deepest level of perception. That's seeing, uh, listening with a capital L and seeing with your the eyes of your soul and really perceiving. And as we're talking, just to put a nice bow on all of this, um, it, it seems to me that contemplation is really the, the thing that gets us to our purpose. You know, we can hear it all day. We can read it in a book, but it has to live in our hearts and it has to be informed and strengthened by that relationship that we get through contemplation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, that was just neat to relate all these different things because um, I know in Dominic Albano's book is very focused on, um, which I love, is very focused on practical ways of living your life and uh, very Stephen Covey, very like um, uh, practical approach, which is great. And I love that our conversation has also been a lot about you know developing that relationship and uh, and and sort of the more cerebral aspects. But I love like bringing those two together and just finding the intersection of those. So I hope I'm going to go back and listen to this later. And it's either going to be complete garbage or the smartest thing I've ever said. 
<laughs> Can't wait to find out what it is. Sounds um, good to me. <laughs> now, how would you like people to find you, Donny? Uh, probably the easiest way is uh, just Google my name, D-O-N-Y-M-A-C-M-A-N-U-S. Mm -hmm. And there are a ton of videos. I've done a lot of documentaries mm. uh, about Florence, about Rome, uh, some about me. Um, so, uh, and then there's like the webpage, doniacmanus.com and uh, Doniacmanus Studios, which is my uh, teaching, I, I teach as well, mm. or the Sacred Art School in Florence, uh, the Irish Academy of Figure of Art, the, the schools I founded. So whatever, whatever people are interested in. There is a lot out there to find uh, about you on the internet. A lot of beautiful interviews as well, where you can get even more um, of the goodness that you've already shared with us today. Are you taking uh, students right now in your Falls Church studio? Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one, one thing I really want to do is uh, to bring this vision forward. So um, I think it's it's really important, especially at the crisis we're in right now with the culture imploding, mm -hmm. is to, look, we, we may not see the renewal of the culture in our lifetime, but it's the next generation that we need to invest in. So, I see it very much like, almost like the fall of Eastern Europe to communism. You know, you just have to invest in the next generation and mm -hmm. they will be the people who will lead us out of this so i think we need to invest in the next generation uh, and empower them with faith first of all and then culture and the and uh, the faith is faith is like the bone structure and muscles are like the culture mm. uh, faith without culture is less effective yes. you've got to give them you've got to give them the muscles to animate that and that's going to give them punch and give them the ability to have impact mm. in the culture Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think that's the main motivating force behind what I do. Mm, I love it. Um, so, would you encourage people to reach out to you if they have someone, a child, or what, high schooler, college age? What, what's your favorite whatever, age to teach? Whatever, yeah, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. take them uh, whatever they are, wherever the, whatever states they're at, just mm -hmm. to, but I'd be really challenging. <laughs> I, I, I'm not messing around. <laughs> I, w I won't send my three and four year old to you yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> not yet. They yeah, just yeah. learned how to make a smiley face, which is, oh, yeah. I was really proud of that. <laughs> no, it's, it's one thing I, I don't want to uh, just, uh, it, art's not about pretty pictures. Art is yeah. about personal transformation and cultural transformation. And that's mm -hmm. the level I like to, to, to teach it. Beautiful. All right. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you for coming over to America with your beautiful mission. And I hope that uh, I can't wait to see where you go next. All right. God bless. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I know you have a lot of choices of podcasts you can listen to, and I am so honored that you chose mine. If you're enjoying this content, you might want to consider taking it to the next level by subscribing as a Patreon member. Now, Patreon is a platform for artists and creators to create sustainable income. So what you do is you give a low monthly pledge and cumulatively that works out to be a nice little sum that helps me keep producing this content as well as supporting my family. So you can come on over to patreon.com slash called and caffeinated. Check out what we have going on there. Our monthly video chats are honestly so much fun. Um, it's not the kind of thing where you tune in and watch me on a live stream. It's actually you get to talk. We all get to know each other and we have so many 
beautiful friendships forming within that group. May God bless you until we talk again.